0: If you feel that life is just giving you more than you can handle, please realize that you are not alone. Welcome to Abba Daddy House Girls Speak Out with your hosts, the founders of Abba Daddy House, Myrna Thatcher and Annette Smith. We're here to listen and provide help for you and others. At last, you have a place to speak out and be heard. Now, here are your hosts, Annette and Myrna.
1: Hi, I'm Myrna and. With me is Annette. Welcome to our show. Hi. and and actually, I was going to say welcome to our snow, because <laughs> we all we we have snow. Like we have three weeks in the last three weeks, we've had like almost over four feet, maybe even five feet of snow at our house. Yeah, and we like it. It's beautiful, right? It's beautiful, but we got to dig out. Well, it's at least to us. It's beautiful, but my husband, who's probably on the roof right now, pushing all the snow off the roof. Yeah, and having to sweep
2: the garage out every time every we come time home. Every time we come home. Yeah,
1: so he he doesn't think the snow's so much fun, but it's really beautiful out here. And we just downloaded a picture of it
0: um, on, on Facebook. our Facebook.
1: So go see if you want to see some snow for all of you who live like in Florida and Arizona and all those and all those nice places, places. You can see some real snow. Yeah. Um, we want to thank here at the top of the hour, John Mogger, for allowing us to use his office to broadcast the show from major bargains here in Cottonwood, Idaho. John is um, John is so generous to allow us to do this because from our house, even with now that we have all that snow, we do not have a good connection. So, yeah. And the man doesn't even charge us. No. Thank you, John. Yeah. All right. Today, we have a guest. is Karen Millsap. And let me just give you a little bit of a bio about her. After the tragic death of her husband, Karen used her recovery from tragedy by creating a healing movement. GrowFlow is a community that shares mental plus emotional growth tips and positive lifestyle inspiration. As the founder and CEO, and I thought this was cute, CEO means Chief Empathy Officer. (laughs) of Agency. She has designed leadership training to help organizations create a human-centric culture with compassion and empathy. Karen has also developed and delivers workshops to teach simple, effective ways to create a people-first culture. Why? Because when you take care of your people, your people will take care of the business, but most importantly, it's the right thing to do. Karen's work has been featured in in Forbes, See. C- excuse me, SHRM Magazine on Good Morning Washington, MSNBC, and many others. And this is kind of what she says. It's no secret that I'm immensely passionate about inspiring audiences to embrace healing, compassion, and empathy, both in our personal lives and at work. So welcome, Karen, to our show.
3: No, thank you so much for having me. You, you mentioned warm weather. Yes, I'm in Florida.
1: Yes. <laughs> so I haven't
3: seen snow in a while. I'm going to look for that picture. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's a
2: pretty picture. So
3: I have a brother wait. that
2: lives in Florida.
3: Yeah, because
1: I, I think eat. when we when we drove in today, it was like 14 degrees.
3: So bomb. I mean, at, at 50 Bombie. degrees, I feel chilly. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> You're welcome to come visit and play in the snow with us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We can build a really big snowman. <laughs> My yeah.
3: son would love that. <laughs> uh,
2: I bet he would. Don't even have to roll the snow. Nope. Just carve it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right.
1: That uh-huh. is true. Very yeah. true. Let's
2: get out of here. Well, Karen, one thing we want to say is sorry about the death of your husband. I know it must have been painful and hard. It was a bad journey. Would you be able her. yeah. Yeah, I'll bet. Would you be able to share the moments of your husband's tragic death and to where you, how you got here today?
3: Sure, sure. I'm happy to. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that it never gets easy telling the story, but I just recognize that um, our sufferings, our individual pain can be used to inspire hope and, and strength in other people, so I don't mind at all. Um, my husband was 33 years old when he passed. Uh, We had two children, two small children, my stepdaughter and my son, Caleb, who was two at the time, and I was home doing a phone interview with some candidates um, after hours because I was interviewing for a VP position, and the individuals who I was interviewing, of course, they're busy during the day. So while I was home doing these uh, interviews, I got a phone call on my cell phone. I was using my house phone doing the interviews. And my phone kept buzzing and buzzing and buzzing, and obviously you can't answer another call when you're in the middle of interviewing somebody. So a few minutes went by, and, uh, and then it buzzed again, and I looked, and I saw that it was a woman who was calling from our gym. My husband had opened a CrossFit about six months before this, and so being a new business owner, um, you know, we carried a lot of the weight together, but this was really, this was his baby. And so when I saw that it was somebody from the gym calling, my initial reaction was he must have fell and hurt himself. Maybe he broke his arm. And then, you know, our brains can move a million miles a minute. So I thought, well, no, he broke his arm. He still would have called. Maybe he hit his head. And, you know, okay, if he hit his head, he could be unconscious. So as all that is happening, I'm putting the candidate on mute and answering my cell phone, and when I answer it, all I heard was screaming, Mm. and the only word that I could make out was shot, and so Mm. immediately, my body started convulsing. I mean, just, I can't even explain the the best way that I can say it is convulsing, because my body just started shaking so violently, and so I had to calm it enough to get back on the phone with the candidate. I had to take him off mute. And yeah. say, thank you so much for your time. You know, we'll be in touch with Next Steps within the next week. I mean, I just could not. And and at this point, uh, you know, I'm standing in my closet just thinking, what do I do? How do I Where? I mean, my mind is just gone. It, it was in mm. instant that my mind just went through this fog and this dark space. And so I picked up my son. My stepdaughter um, was actually at her mom's. So I uh, I kind of bounced him thinking, I don't want him to feel what's happening to my body. You know, he was only two years old, but right. immediately we go into protection mode, right? Exactly. So I take him over to the neighbor's house and, and I started going a hundred and something down the highway, um, mm-hmm. just trying to get there. And I remember at the light before turning into the gym, I thought to myself, why am I not on my way to the hospital? And it, it didn't really sink in. But I do remember having that thought, just thinking, well, you know, it took me 10 minutes to get here. And, and you know, they called 15 minutes before, so we should be on our way to the hospital. And I'll right. be honest, I don't, remember, um, I don't remember who said that he died. I don't remember how they told me. I really don't remember any of that. But for most of that evening, I was just sitting behind a bush, just rocking back and forth, just thinking mm. this cannot be real. This cannot be Be real. This is not our life right now. I mean, you wake up that morning and everything is great. You know, we're texting, hey, I got this going and don't forget this. And, oh, remember this weekend we're going to, you know, just all the good, natural life feelings. And then by the end of the day, I'm a widow at 29 Mm. years old.
2: Oh, wow. That's horrible. So going through all that, how did you make it to being able to be with your kids and and survive that.
3: Ooh, it's been quite a journey. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you that I think what really rocked my world up front, obviously the shock of how it happened and the fact that he died, right? Not, right. not just that he died in the accident, but also that he was murdered. I mean, that's very exactly. complex. But what really struck me also was My husband was on fire for God, and when I mean on fire, like he had gone through his own trials and just in that last year had really dedicated everything from his own life to even the business, just dedicating that establishment to helping people and honoring God in the midst of that. So when I was standing at the crime scene, I looked up and I said, hey God, what's going on? We yeah. have been on fire for you. How dare you let this happen to somebody who is just honoring your name in so many ways, who's bringing people to you and, and teaching them about the gospel. Like, why would you let this happen? And then I start saying, okay, well, you were raising people from the dead. Let's see it happen. Where's the burning Bush? Yeah. I was just talking to him like he was standing right next to me. I just, I needed to be real. Yeah. And to answer. He was yes, there. Yes, yes. Yes. And so as I stood there and I said all that, you know, no, there was no miraculous sign or anything like that. And so I said, okay. I said, I see that we're not living in the Old Testament. <laughs> I'll accept that. I said, but I need for you to become audible to me. I need to hear from you in a way that I've never heard before because I will get through this. I will have faith. I will continue to take one step in front of the other. And I will do that if you just let me know that heaven is real. That's what I need to know. Because right. then I'll know that Richard's okay. I'll see him again. Like, I'll just get through this life and I'll I'll do what I need to. You know, I'll, we will be together again. And so right. I went through that evening and and it was tough. I mean, he... He was killed around 6.30, and, you know, I didn't get home until maybe almost 2 o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. And so when I got home, I was sitting out on my balcony, and a friend of mine was sitting there with me, and I I didn't have any words. I still was in shock, and I looked out, and I just thought, God, I need you to talk to me. I just need to know. And my heart was just I need to know. And for the first time in my life, I saw a shooting star. Oh, my goodness. Awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I said, okay. So, but he, again, being of the flesh, I thought to myself, well, you can't do that again. <laughs> that? And I saw, <laughs> and I saw a second one. Oh wow! And so I was like, wow. Okay. So at that point, I'll tell you exactly what came to my mind: surrender. That's and that. I agreed to surrender to the journey, and I agreed to just walk in faith. And even if I didn't get any answers, that was what I said to him. I said, even if I don't get any answers, you have just shown me that you can answer me supernaturally in a way that is giving me comfort to know Richard and I will be together again. So I'll Mm. take that. And I will say that it has been moments like that, which I call God hugs, that have just lined up along the way, that have helped me to really stay fueled and continue to move forward with faith. And Mm -hmm. part of it was how I was building habits, you know, healthy habits to create a foundation that would, you know, just in the natural, like practical ways to take care of my mental, emotional, you know, spiritual well being, physical, even. Like what? And so I just feel like once I opened my mind up to surrendering and once I really opened my heart up, all of those answers started to come. And it took a while. You know, I didn't just lose my husband, I lost my house, my car, my job, friendships. (laughs) I lost so much in the first year. And there was a time where I laid on the ground and I was just like, you're taking everything from me. Why? Like answer Mm -hmm. me. And he would give those answers. He would give them through song, through scripture. He would give them through a friend who would just say something through a book. I mean, he, when I first said to him, when I was standing there at that crime scene, I need you to become audible.
2: Mm -hmm. He did,
3: And he did more than I have ever experienced him before. So that's how I've been able to get to this point.
1: What about um, forgiveness of the perpetrator?
3: Mm. Well, I wrote, uh, I had a closet uh, when I moved out of my our old house and I moved into a town home. Um, happened, I, I was adjusting to space, right? I was like, oh my gosh, I don't have right. to share a closet. <laughs> so yeah. it was difficult, but it, there was a blessing on the other side of that That. Uh, agony, and that was that I actually had a space to create a prayer closet. And so, I wrote down all these different prayers, and one of them was forgiveness. And in in the prayer, it says, teach my heart to forgive, because I don't know. Teach my heart to be more like Jesus, because that's how I'll forgive. But where I am right now, I can't do it on my own. So, I need for you to just be part of every ounce of my body as it pertains to forgiveness. So, this was in 2013 when my husband died and mm. so what year did that movie the Shack come out? Oh my goodness I think or 17 yeah,
1: something like right? that.
3: So I think it was maybe, maybe we'll say 2017. And I had been given this book before, but I never read it. And I honestly wasn't a reader until after my husband died. I became obsessed about learning about heaven. But, but I went to the movie theater uh, with a group of women. Um, and we were, we decided to go together, but I wanted to go first because I just, I don't know what God was like. Go at 10 o'clock in the morning, even before you see this with the group. I needed to see it by myself. And it was at the end of the movie when I had given this visualization of how God sees all of us and how we don't understand what people have gone through to get them to the point of just making bad decisions or, you know, making decisions that they didn't think would turn out bad. It's just, we don't understand that. And so it really brought me to a place, and it was specifically in the scene where the father could not forgive the person who had killed his daughter, Sorry, I should have said spoiler alert if anybody hadn't seen that, but <laughs> he was at the point where he couldn't forgive. And the words that came through with that actor and the way that this author and screenwriter did it, the way that it just, it cut through all of the heaviness that I had been holding on to. And I realized that it was not about forgiving this person who we still don't know, by the way.
1: Oh this my goodness. It's
3: unsolved case. Wow. Yes. So I had to not only forgive a person, but an unknown person for doing mm. this. And it was in that theater where I found forgiveness and I chose forgiveness. Now I will say that it was a couple of times, right? Early on, I decided I'm not going to let this person hold up my healing. That would be unfair. My right. lose both of his parents. So that was early on, but I still couldn't bring my heart to truly forgive until I was in that movie theater. And when I just heard those words, it just, again, it was like God becoming audible. It just opened my mind up to what forgiveness truly meant, and it allowed me to step into that, not on my strength, but on our Heavenly Father's strength. And when I did that, it was like a whole new wave of healing. And that was, what, four years after it had happened? So it was a journey, Mm -hmm. I'll say. Forgiveness was Mm -hmm. quite a journey.
2: Did you ever find you had any anger towards God?
3: I had anger right away when I was mm-hmm. standing there on the, at the crime scene. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was demanding that He answer me. Right. But when He answered me, that's when I released any anger. Because I, I, I think I kind of knew this, but this has become more apparent to me over the last, you know, five years of this journey since my husband died, that we are just in a world that is crazy, it's unfair, it is uh, destructive, right? And so instead of me being angry at God for what happened, I leaned on Him. I decided, okay, if we're going through all of this, and it's just inevitable, right? I've seen other people go through hardships, losing their child, or someone getting diagnosed at an unfair time, or I mean, just all all sorts of things, right? I realized... I could either be mad at you for allowing this to happen, or I can trust and have faith that you will redeem this to be something better. And I hate that I've become, honestly, uh, the best version of myself, but because of my husband's death, because I had to learn how to take care of myself and a new way to parent my, my son and teach him empathy. You know, it's only through those struggles that I have become a better version of myself. So while I hate it, I'm also thankful for it. I'm exactly. thankful that God used it for a purpose that's not just helping me and my son, but it's helping others around the world. Wow. On, your,
1: on your website, you talk about, the, about 25 things you should know in your first year of grief. What mm-hmm. well, Could you highlight some of those? I don't expect you to do twenty-five of them, but what <laughs> yes. could you highlight some of those?
3: Yes, 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 and that is a, a free download, so you can just go and you right. can grab it at any time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I haven't looked at that in a long time, so I'm not going to give you what's on the tip sheet. I'm, but I will tell you some that were really in, impactful for me, and they probably okay. are on the tip sheet, but I'm just not guaranteed. So some may be okay. from the heart. <laughs> but the first one is uh, to lean into your faith right and if you don't yes. have any faith be open to it right i right. think that i i stopped going to church after richard died only because it was hard to be in that in that space without him but yes. i found god more with that year and a half that i wasn't in church than i ever had been before so i'm just saying open your heart open your mind because when you chase after him he will chase right back after you like it's such mm-hmm. a, so that's the first first thing is just be open to faith another thing is cry that's it. Mm. Cry. Yeah. We live in a society where we are suppressing natural emotions and where we also isolate ourselves because we feel like there's something wrong with us. So don't right. suppress it. Cry. But then another one is don't isolate because you're not alone. And at 29, becoming a widow, I couldn't look around and see any of my friends who could relate to this. So I did feel alone, I did isolate. Right. And it was really hard for me to even share what I was going through with my family, my immediate family, because I didn't want to be a burden to them. So I was like mm. holding on to all of this toxicity and not just sharing the, the the, emotional roller coaster that I was on, which was also harmful. Um being on autopilot, not helpful. <laughs> Take it no. me. Right.
2: Mm.
3: And then another thing that I would say is um and this is because this is where my heart was led uh, very quickly early on in this entrepreneurial journey, was be honest about what you're going through with your work family. Now, that may not mean that everybody needs to know, but if you are going through something, and I think we should also recognize that grief is not just the result of a death. Grief is when we expect things to be different or better or more, and it doesn't turn out that way. Right. Um, you know, it, it can come from miscarriage. It can come from divorce. It can come from so many different things. Exactly. So if you're going through a hard, right? And so if you're mm-hmm. going through a hard time, be honest about that in the workplace, because we are not robots, and we cannot mm-hmm. just turn it off. And that right. doesn't mean that your boss has to become your counselor, but at least if you're open about where you are, then you can start to get the support that you need so that you can maintain productivity and not let it impact your work in other harmful ways. So those are just a couple, but yeah, there's 25 there, so right. <laughs> that's the time for sure yeah. to get them.
2: I, when I first found out I had cancer, you know, I thought it wouldn't bother me, but I mm-hmm. grieved because of the unknown. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I
1: that's mean exactly that's kind right of scary, you know. No? It is and the, is there are
3: other ones. Oh yeah.
1: One of the things that you mentioned is this that, that people need to understand that it's hard to concentrate. Yes. Yes. Because yep. you have brain fog. Cuz mm-hmm. I mean it, you have I mean cuz you're you're exhausted emotionally, physically, spiritually and Correct. you will experience, you know, the the tiredness, the fatigue and and you will experience that brain fog. Like, go. I mean, I do this now and I haven't experienced a death, but I go into a room and what did I go in there after for, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that would increase, I would think. Because, um, and then, you know, of course, the the, the stages of, of grief and everything, um, that, you know, the denial. And, and talk mm-hmm. to us a little bit about, oh, well, you just need to stay busy. Yeah.
3: Well, you know, first, the stages of grief is not entirely true mm-hmm. <laughs> and I remember saying this to my first counselor I was like well then I'm a nutcase because I feel all of those things in a day like I could exactly. go on this roller coaster so I think exactly. that again there's this I think what we've done in society is we've kind of created these myths that help the person who is on the other side of the grief, meaning if you are my friend and I'm coming to you and sharing something um, with you, for you to not get too involved or too thrown off by what I'm unloading, we've created these barriers, and one of them is stay busy. We just throw out that advice like, oh, yeah, if you just pour into your work, no, 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 (laughs) no. Staying busy is only a temporary distraction because we have to work through all of the uncomfortable pain. We are in a fog because our mind is taken in so many different directions and there's actually a chemical deficiency that happens in our brain immediately after losing a loved one. So Mm -hmm. when we say, oh, I just don't feel like myself, that's actually true. There's something physically that's happening to you. So staying busy is not going to help you to push through those emotions. Facing those emotions is what's going to help you to get through it. And it's also what helps us to build our resilience and our endurance because we become more aware of our emotions enough to manage them, right? Right. But if you are not aware of them, if you're just staying busy, then you're never going to get the tools or the healthy foundation of habits so that you can roll with the punches, as they say, when they come.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. So I mean, it was. You said you lost your home, you lost your vehicle, and and again, that's all grief-based because yes. that is a loss,
3: right? You know, one thing I share about the vehicle is um, some people say, "Oh, well, you lost your car, like no big deal." But here's what was so crazy and kind of wrapped up. And again, we never know the layers to people's story. But me letting go of that car was so symbolic. Mm-hmm. of the life that we were going to build because we had just gotten out of a car into a crossover SUV only three months before he died with the mm. intention of having more kids. Ooh. So we were in the middle of trying to have more kids, preparing mm. ourselves with that, including the automobile. So when I had to turn it in, it was mm. me saying goodbye, uh, another yep. way of saying goodbye to all the hopes and dreams that we were building.
1: Exactly. Wow exactly that's another punch in the stomach isn't it
3: yeah
2: so yep alrighty um, well we're gonna take a break and then we'll come back and we'll talk more about uh, what Karen has for us on maybe transitioning, transitioning back to work yeah okay sure so we'll take a break right now and we'll be back
0: This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. Look for Annette and Myrna's book, Turning the Curse into a Blessing, a testimony of God's healing power. The book elucidates the journey of how Annette Smith gained healing from living as a child and other people. The book is available through Amazon.com in both paperback and Kindle formats. Anyone who is looking for guidance from God and feeling that life is hopeless should read this book, Turning the Curse into a Blessing, a testimony of God's healing power. Find it today. Abba Daddy House, Incorporated was founded by Myrna Thatcher and Annette Smith. We provide pro bono counseling for those caught in the insurance gap. We also provide basic needs for those who have great difficulty making it from one month to the next. Donations for expanding our business are always appreciated. Remember Philippians 4, verse 3. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion... Help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. Visit AbbaDaddyHouse.org. Do you feel you have a bigger life's purpose than you're currently living? Of course you do. Activate your passion as you tune in to Sovereign Self with host Zofia Renea Morales. Become the conscious creator of your own life. Connect with your most powerful and purposeful self in order to make big things happen for you now. Sophia and her guests are doing this every day and are sharing how you can step into this power, too. Listen to Sovereign Self every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to Abba Daddy Girls Speak Out. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to House 7 at gmail.com. Now, back to Myrna and Annette.
1: We are back with Karen Millsap, and we are going to talk about... Um, transitioning into back to work after you have had um, a loss, such as the uh, loss of, a, of her husband. At, she was 29, he was 33 years old. And she spent this first year transitioning, and now um, she's going to talk to us about how to transition back into the workforce.
2: So, Karen, what, what was your first thing you did to transition
3: back to work? So the first thing that was helpful that wasn't actually my doing was my boss. He, um, interestingly enough, had a life experience that helped him to understand how to respond with compassion. Uh, his wife had a near-death experience, and so that's where he drew from. That's where his empathy came from, which I can only imagine because I've had that near-death experience with my wife. And so he acknowledged that coming back to work after three to five days, which is typically the bereavement leave. Is that not crazy? I mean, it's that just, is crazy.
2: You,
3: you can't even plan a funeral in that time. So, That's right. Uh, he acknowledged that that wouldn't be enough. And so he put together a campaign that was company wide. Just said anybody who wants to donate pay time off, you know, please feel free to do mm. so. We would like to support Karen so she can have time to transition back. And so I ended up, uh, being allowed to take six weeks off,
2: oh, and wow. that gave me
3: time to just yeah, gave my got my house in order. You know, things that I needed to do there with my son now going into daycare. He had never been in daycare before, so just a lot. And also, I needed to go to counseling. You know, I wasn't really sure what was going on inside of my head, and so. That was the first thing that I felt like, wow, That him putting compassion into action, as I call it, was mm-hmm. such a significant um, starting point for me because it made me realize that you are going to need some support on this journey. You're not going to be able to do it by yourself. And so, personally, though, when I reentered the workplace, I did have to be conscious about things like, um, for example, he let me work from home part-time, and I needed that, and I and I spoke up, and he was very happy to give that to me. So he offered flexibility during my transition back. And we had a time frame, you know, two months of being able to do that. Um, I also had to be open with my coworker. Um, not all of them, but I had a coworker who was particularly close to me. And, um, you know, she was like a mother and she would pray with me or we would go for a walk. Or, But here's what I really noticed about transitioning back to the workplace. I had to lay a foundation of healthy habits that were going to allow me to be productive. And I started to take note of those, and that's how I was able to develop, like, my coaching course now, my e-courses that I offer. They were all things that I had to do because I realized I had a choice. And so I made sure that I was eating healthy food, right? I could eat like junk, eat burgers and chili fries if I wanted to, but it wasn't going to give me the energy I needed. I made sure that I took grease breaks. If I was overwhelmed and I needed to go to my car and cry, I would allow myself that space and that time. People take smoke breaks, right? Why can't I take a grease (laughs) break? So so those are just little things, but it really, what happened was I just became more aware of how to take care of my total well-being. And I was still in a fog. I mean, I was in a fog for close to two years, just trying to figure out how to do this. Um, But I was conscious on a day-to-day basis, or at least tried to be enough so that I could be the best mom for my son. And being the best mom meant keeping my job. So so it was really about my total well-being.
2: Well, I like your heel method. You want to expand on that one? Yes, yes.
3: So... Yes, H-E-A-L. I am Uh praying and just saying, like, God, what do I do? How do I take this message to the world? I know I want to help people heal. I know I want to create a healing movement. I don't want to talk about grief. I want to talk about healing. Like, how do I verbalize this? So this just came about a few months ago. I'm laying on my ground, kind of how I talk to God a lot. (laughs) I'm laying on the ground. And I just said, like, how do you want me to explain this? And he said, you already know the word. It's HEAL. Because what I'm thinking is, I need like a one-two-step thing, or this is in five minutes, how you do, you know, kind of one of those Chachki things, that's Mm -hmm. only so it could be memorable. So then he gave it to me. He said, HEAL. So I said, oh, well, let me think about what I've been through my journey that helped me to get to this whole heart, and does it fall with the letters H-E-A-L? And it absolutely did. I mean, it was just amazing how he gave it to me. So first was H, which stands for Healthy Boundaries. We have to create healthy boundaries while we're trying to grow and heal because, one, we can't let other people poison what we're trying to grow, right? Right. But also, we have to protect our mental and our emotional. Uh, You know, we have to keep out those negative things, whether it's the news or a a horror Mm. movie. Like, that doesn't help you on your healing journey. So you have to create healthy boundaries, physical boundaries with people, mental and emotional, you know, all of that.
2: Yeah.
3: is for... E is for embracing emotions, like we talked about a little bit earlier. We can't just suppress them. In order for for us to really get to a whole heart, we have to learn how to manage them. And the only way to learn how to manage it is if we embrace our feelings. So there are some steps that you can do and techniques you can do with that. A is for accepting what is. And this is huge because we cannot change the past. We cannot change what has happened and brought us to this point, and we cannot predict what's going to happen in the future. Not exactly. if we have that power. If you do call us, we need that power. Yeah. But, but we don't. Have, so what we have to do is accept where we is, where we are right now, because by accepting what is, it gives us our starting point. What you do today affects your tomorrow. You can't control it, but you can choose how you live today. So you have to accept where you are. And then L is for loving yourself, because I just think we can all get a lot better with that, and a lot of times we pour so much into our work, into our kids, into our friends. We just pour. But if we start by taking care of ourselves, which is what I just mentioned, you know, setting the foundation of healthy boundaries with my wellness, when you do that, then you can serve others from overflow. So you should have you have to understand the importance of taking care of yourself, loving yourself, so that way you can show up fully for others. Karen, is it all right if I make a
2: H-E-A-L chart for our office, but I'll make sure your name's on it?
3: I will actually send you the infographic, and you can just have that printed out. And if that would make it easier for you, then I will send that over to you. Does that work? That, that'd be great.
2: Thank Perfect.
1: you. Yeah. Um, one of the things that, um, Karen, that we use in our, because we're mental health providers, and one of the things that we use is that, and we just told a client um, prepping her for her next week's session, but we, on your Embrace Emotions, we say, if you can't feel it, God, God can't, can't heal you. it. And she was having flash flashbacks of her abuse. And um, and so we warned her. We says we're going to start working with that. And um, you're going to have to feel that because God wants to heal that. Right, yes, I say
3: something kind of similar. I say there's uh no healing if there's no feeling.
1: Yep, and so when we, yeah, so we definitely identify with that too. I I wanted to ask about the, on your back to work, the transition, could you hit, hit highlight the
3: rule of three Mm, Yes. Oh my gosh. This was so helpful for me. So when I was in, um, uh, at, at this recruiting job, it was for a national home building company. And so the amount of, uh, positions, vacant positions that I was trying to fill, just it, it's overwhelming in general, but certainly when the midst of grief, right. And so I realized, okay, I can't think about all 37 of these positions that I need to fill. And I have other things that are, kind of fighting for my time, right? When you're in HR, you're not just doing one thing. You're wearing many hats. And so every day I would just pick three things and I would choose them based on due date or priority level. And so I would write those on my whiteboard. There were three things because that's really all I could think about. When we're grieving, we don't work really well with long-term goals (laughs) for many reasons, right? right? Uh, Mm -hmm. But but if we can just wrap our mind around short-term goals, then that helps us to only get things done, but it helps to rebuild our confidence because we are able to then see how far we are going. We can look back at our progress. And so I would just write down the three things that I needed to get done that day. And if I got them done before 12, great. If I didn't, also fine, but I knew that I was going to get three things done. And I even use that in my life right now. I mean, I use it as an entrepreneur. I use it as a mom, you know, in teaching my son different uh, tactics. When we use the rule of three, again, it helps us to be productive, but it also helps us to see our progress.
1: And I think as far as um, helping you love yourself, I think that would help in that, too, because you would Mm -hmm. see yourself not as a failure. Correct. Correct. Yeah. That would be good on on building that foundation because, you know, you you lost your life partner, so you're on your own basically. I mean, you're not with mm-hmm. you're not when you're not really alone when God's walking with you, but um, you know, physically, and you you lost that life partner and and you need that that extra umph. Yeah. So I think that, yes. that's neat. Exactly. The um the awkward moments. How do you? Because there's always an awkward moment because especially like if you had friends that, um, you know, everybody, you had friends, and they were all married, and now you're kind of like the fifth wheel. They're, you know. You're single now. Yeah. How how, how do you yes. handle those awkward moments?
3: Well, there were awkward moments in, yes, showing up to places. There were also awkward moments when people would say things that they think are comforting, like, oh, don't worry, you're young, you'll get married again.
1: Yes. Wow. Yes.
3: Really, it's not what I want to hear right now. Um, so the first I'm like when you're showing up to a place and it just is not the same. Um, my company had a, com- a holiday party a few months after Richard died and I didn't want to go and my friend Jamie who I talk about in my TED talk and I also just reference her because everybody needs a Jamie um, she said we'll go. You know I'll go with you and I did not want to go but I said okay fine I'll go but I'm only going for one hour <laughs> I okay I need to show face but I don't everybody's there with their spouse and like this is my first thing that's plus one without my husband. So right. I leaned into those people who really were there to support and to put their arms around me. And I'll tell you, I didn't go to another plus one event for, it might've been three or four years after that. Cause I went not oh. long ago to a friend's uh, birthday party. And again, another one of my friends went with me, but it was mm-hmm. so hard. It was so difficult. And that's where accepting what is really comes into play. You know, I can either stay isolated in the house and not be around my friends who are married and hate my life because I'm comparing it to theirs, (laughs) or just accept that this is where I am, and I do have people who love me, who are inviting me, who do want me to be around, and stay connected to life through that. But I will say that when we have awkward moments because somebody says something that's insensitive, it is up to us, the griever, to have that healthy boundary. This is how it all plays together, right? Exactly. To create a... A healthy boundary with our emotions to say, I'm going to not just hear what they had to say, but I'm going to look a little deeper to see their intentions. Were their intentions to comfort? Yes. They weren't trying to say something to really hurt your feelings, and if they were, they got to go. That's a help—a physical belt boundary you got to create. <laughs> exactly. You kind of have to create some of those emotional boundaries because people will say things that are insensitive, unknowingly, and it does make the moment awkward. But you have all the power on how you're going to let that resonate and penetrate your heart.
2: Exactly. Right. When my when my son passed away, he was only 29 years old. He was. Oh, he was my he was my rock, I you'd think, but I mean he was mentally challenged and he lived with me and I adored him. My sister mm. said to me when he passed away, her words to me was, Well, Annette, he's better off. <laughs> mm. I thought You know, those are insensitive words. I, I he's not a puppy dog.
3: <laughs> right, so, right. And you know, we often say that um, as fellow Christians, right? Well, if you exactly. believe in heaven, then you should be okay with this. That does <laughs> not make what happened okay. It does no, it not make what happened easier. All it does is give us a hope for the future, but it does not take away the pain today. I mean, it says in the Bible that Jesus wept. He was grieving, and it's in multiple places that these troubles are heavy, and that they hurt, and that you are going to feel this. So, again, she said it with good intentions, so instead of flipping out, we just kind of hold on to what the intentions were and not get too wrapped up in the insensitive words. (laughs) yeah. I have
2: never told her that that wasn't good words. Uh, I have yeah. just left it in my little box. Well, if she listens, she yeah.
1: knows
3: now. <laughs> she don't, I
2: don't think
1: she listens. But you know to what? Show, it,
3: it is a good learning opportunity.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I think of John sixteen thirty three that you know we're going to have tough times in this world, but don't worry about it. Jesus has mm-hmm. overcome, yeah, and we can mm-hmm. be overcomers too. So yeah, in the, in the last few um, seconds before we go to break. What would you say to somebody that has lost a loved one like you did just real quick one
2: sentence
3: I would just say don't give up okay don't, don't give up, give
2: up. Yeah. so it's not hopeless i'll tell you that
3: much yeah but yeah. it's hard but not hopeless
1: so as we go to break um, we're going to come back and talk with Karen we're going i think we're going to talk about some self care a lifestyle. There, we've touched on it, and we're just going to talk about that um, a little bit more deeper when we come back from break.
0: Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. Abba Daddy House, Incorporated was founded by Myrna Thatcher and Annette Smith. We provide pro bono counseling for those caught in the insurance gap. We also provide basic needs for those who have great difficulty making it from one month to the next. Donations for expanding our business are always appreciated. Remember Philippians 4, verse 3. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. Visit AbbaDaddyHouse.org. Look for Annette and Myrna's book, Turning the Curse into a Blessing, a Testimony of God's Healing Power. The book elucidates the journey of how Annette Smith gained healing from living as a child and other people. The book is available through Amazon.com in both paperback and Kindle formats. Anyone who is looking for guidance from God and feeling that life is hopeless should read this book, Turning the Curse into a Blessing, a Testimony of God's Healing Power. Find it today. Radio is broadcast live Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. You are listening to Abba Daddy Girls Speak Out. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to Abba Daddy House 7 at gmail.com. Now, back to Myrna and Annette.
1: Hi, we're back from break and we're going to we're continue to talk with Karen Millsap and we're going to talk about how to take care of yourself. Um, uh, Self care is is a lifestyle. Karen, can you talk to us just real quickly about mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual?
3: Yes. So the thing is, you have to do them all. (laughs) In order to take care of your total well-being, you have to focus on all of these areas. So physically, it has to do with like, what are you eating? Are you getting exercise? Are you getting enough sleep? I think a lot of times we miss, I know I didn't know this, that our emotional and our mental well-being impacts our physical and so and vice versa. So if we're eating well, then we'll have more mental clarity, we'll have better regulation over our emotions and all that good stuff. So Physical is really important about what you eat, if you're sleeping, if you're getting some exercise. And you don't have to overdo it if you're in the middle of a a sensitive or, you know, really tough time. Uh, Mental is all about how you take care of your mind. Mindfulness is huge. And it can be as simple as, like I mentioned earlier, not watching a horror film anymore, not looking at the news, you know, just and even how you're having conversations, you know, are you talking about negative things? Are you, are you um, engaging with people who are negative? Like all of that starts to feed your mind. And so you have to take all of those things out and replace them with good things. You know, I would listen to Joel Osteen or Brene Brown or just I would read good books from like Eckhart Tolle. I would just fill it back up with all the good stuff. So how you take care of your mind matters. Emotionally, the biggest tip with that is allowing yourself to feel emotions because when you do so, then you're going to be able to manage them better. So, allowing yourself to cry, um, giving yourself that space to um, to feel the anxiety but not be controlled by it. Those are really great ways to take care of your emotional well-being. And then your spiritual well-being. You know, for me, it was meditation and prayer. Um, my yes. prayer is like, hey, God, we need to talk. <laughs> <You
1: know? laughs> okay. Exactly. It
3: can happen anywhere, anytime. But our spiritual well-being is also, if you are feeling just out of sorts, a really good exercise is to lay on the ground. Just focus on your breathing and imagine your soul coming back into your body because usually we feel scatterbrained because our soul is pulling us one way, but the physical demands of this world is pulling us another. So even if you could take a second, if you're not laying on the ground, sitting in your car, when you focus on that breathing, you're just bringing intention back to your body so that you can have more focus. So self-care being a lifestyle, it definitely has to touch on all four of those areas. And there's lots of tips to unpack each of them, but those are kind of highlights.
1: Okay. And you know, if they go to your website, you have created GrowFlow and that's just Mm -hmm. uh, and there is lots of courses there. There There's Um, coaching is available on your website you want to try to kind of give a pitch to that on your website
3: yeah sure so I wanted to put a lot of free information out there because I never want somebody to feel like they can't afford healing but you do need to invest in yourself at some point if you really want to take it up a notch and grow through whatever your hardship is so there's a lot of free information all of these things today thank you for bringing those up they're all free these are all tips you can go and get but if you do want to step it up then you can uh, look at my e-courses right now I have Heal Forward available which is a six week transformational uh, course and it has to do all about self-care in the middle of healing so heal forward is the e-course and then in March I'm going to and I think March is like right here yeah March I'm going to be launching soul care coaching which is going to be weekly coaching with me in a group setting where everybody hops on we are all like-minded we want to heal and we want to grow and every single week I'll be sharing different tips resources books and I'll even have some guest coaches on with me from time to time
1: Okay, and that's all on, how do they get to your, what's your website address?
3: Yep, my website is karenmilsap.com, and Millsap has two L's. A lot of people miss okay. that, but dot karenmilsap.com.
1: Okay, and also, what's your other, um, you can connect with you what, on LinkedIn and Facebook,
3: Instagram, YouTube? Absolutely. Yes, right. you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and also, you know, a lot of this, can sometimes stimulate a need in uh, the workplace. Right? They're thinking, man, how are we taking care of our people? And that's why I created my company agency. If you land on Karen Millsap, you'll either be directed or can find resources as an individual. You can find resources for your company uh, if you go to the agency where it says, "How do I help organizations?" Or if you really just want to bring a motivational message, if you're having an event or if you're doing a leadership conference, or you just want to bring this message into even a women's retreat, then there's also a information on how we can connect about speaking. So, anything you need, I try to make it as easy as possible, is on KarenMilsap.com.
1: Well, we have went on your um, on your website, and it is very, just for our listeners, it's very easy to navigate. Very easy. And it's also, I mean, it's very informative. We just pulled off some some of the handouts, and it is, there is really a lot of information there, and very helpful. Like, there's one um, from GrowFlow, 25 Ways to Simplify Your Life. And yeah. <laughs> she she shared a lot of that today, and I like the way um, Karen that that you talk about. You know, be around positive people, read positive mm-hmm. things. Don't watch the news. I can't watch the news. I agree with that because <laughs> every day we sit in our office and we are we hear trauma, and so mm-hmm. w- it's hard to. I don't even watch TV. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard to watch the news because there's more trauma. So we certainly right. we certainly understand that. Um, Is it one last thing, anything you want to say to our audience, Karen?
3: You know, there was was that moment where uh, you asked me before, what would I tell somebody who's in the midst Mm -hmm. of a hard time? And it was a moment where my son came in my room and I had been on antidepressants. You know, they tried to give them to me. And for two days, I was just a zombie. And he came in and he said, Mommy, are you going to get up today? Are you going to eat today? Out of concern. And it was in that moment that I realized I had two choices. Give up mm. or get up. And we all mm-hmm. have that choice. So that's why my one thing to everybody is just don't give up. Even if getting up is like one breath at a time, one day at a time, then great. But just don't give up.
1: And he was only two years old. That's right? correct, yes. Oh, my goodness. What an impact.
0: Mm-hmm. Out of the mouths of the
1: babes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, because I think right. on one of them you said um, don't, get better. don't get bitter but get better. That's right. This whole
3: life is a choice.
1: Yes. Yep. Life is a choice. And that's kind of what we tell our clients, too, um, that where they go from here is is their choice. Right. Well, we have really enjoyed having you today. And we will, again, listeners, please go to her website, Karen um, Millsap with two L's, dot com. You can get a lot of information. And, again, she's talked to you about about the... um, the coaching that's that's going to be available in March, which March 1st is next Friday. And um, Karen, you also give a phone number on that. Do you want to mm-hmm. share
3: that? Yes, they can reach me there too. They can reach me there or they can also send a message directly from my website. We're very prompt okay. at answering any messages that come in.
1: And and I can guarantee you she is very prompt at that. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, because we were having questions about, is it Pacific time or is it Arizona time? <laughs> So, anyway, well, again, we thank you, Karen, and um, we certainly have been blessed with this time for you. We, we will keep you in our prayers and your son, and that God will continue to bless you and, and to grow you as you help other people to grow. Keep in contact so with much. us. Yeah. And listeners, thank you for listening today, and you know how you can contact with us, Facebook, GodGirl7.com, and Twitter, godgirl 7 our, you know, email Abadaddy House 7 at Gmail, our website abadaddygirls.com, and of course on Voice America, the Influencers and channel, and which is Live. Okay, so thank you for listening, and we will be talking to you all later. And, and, and we'll hey, be
2: seeing you live on Facebook after we go to Arizona. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay,
1: thanks for listening.
0: Thank you for being here this week. Be sure to join hosts Annette Smith and Myrna Thatcher for another edition of Avidaddy Girls Speak Out next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Enjoy the upcoming weekend.